This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio now after doing a Rangers podcast all by my lonesome. Well, Benjamin helped out at the end with uh, our talk about sandwiches at the ballpark, uh, simulating stuff. Uh, David Moore is here to talk about the, the Cowboys training camp and Zeke Elliott and what he's going to do. Is he going to go on strike or not? <laughs> it's all going to be good stuff. So, David, what's what's going on? And I heard you before I came in, you said you would prefer to do this segment by yourself, too. No. Don't think I didn't hear that. I did not say that. <laughs> you know, you know when, you, when you're doing that by, and you're just talking to yourself, it's like, am I talking to myself? <laughs> am I talking out loud? Did I say that out loud? That, that's the question I'm asking myself sometimes is I'm not sure, you know, because I've got stuff going on in my head. That's right. When people look at you, it's like, oh, did I actually say that? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I was a little worried about that. So, so we have Zeke Elliott here in a situation and threatening to hold out. I love the report over the weekend, and I won't say who it was reported who who said that that Zeke may or may not show up. For that, that that has been the the that has been the bar which has been established on talking about <laughs> Elliott over the last two weeks that he's considering it, but no decision has been made, and he may or may not yeah okay. uh, show up with the rest of the veterans. And, you know, my, my point is, look, right now, the, the team leaves Thursday, uh, and you don't have to be on the team flight. You can get out there on your own, but you need to be out there by Friday for physicals and the first practices on Saturday. Uh, he took part in everything in the offseason program. Um, you know, at, at this point, it's not, it's not really a threat. It's a strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it hurt? to put some suspicion in the mind. You know, th- this is a way for uh, Elliot and his camp to make a point without making a stand mm-hmm. because nothing's at stake. The public perception doesn't change. You're just speculating about whether or not. And so you talk about, well, uh, and and if the, the idea that he may not show up, if it engages the Cowboys to the point where they give him some sort – look, he's not going to have a contract done – right away i mean there's two years left on his deal right uh but you know if the cowboys are concerned enough to say look uh we'll give you an assurance we'll address this at x time or we'll take care of this by then or uh you know some sort of guarantee coming into camp well just the just the speculation of will he or won't he then you can say that was a good strategy they got some sort of uh, tacit admission or or concession out of them to right. say, well, look, we'll we'll do this at X time or something, or we'll address this here, but don't don't create an issue here. You know, if that's how it unfolds, fine. Now, if the Cowboys don't respond at all and consider it a strategy, and then 
Elliot and his camp will have a decision to make. Do we really draw this line in the sand right now and not show up? And will that serve our greater purposes? And and then when and if that happens, and that would be this weekend, then I think it goes to a different stage of discussion. But now I, I, I think it's just uh, um, that there's no hard evidence out there or him or any of his people telling anyone that he's not going to show up. So let's let's look at history here, because the reason that history matters is that I like history. Uh, but, <laughs> the older you get, you tend to, yes, you you tend like to look more. at history a little more. Yeah. But also because history matters with the Cowboys because of Jerry's history mm-hmm. with the Cowboys. And, of course, we remember, you and I remember anyway, when Emmett Smith Emmett. held out in 1993 and he sat out the first two games of the season. The Cowboys lost both of those games with Derek Lassick mm-hmm. as their running back, who was a rookie at the time out of Alabama. Uh, was not received well by his teammates. Uh, Charles Haley went off, says we can't win with this rookie running back. Eric Williams complained about his running style, said he's too fast. He doesn't follow his blocks uh, the way Emmett mm-hmm. does. Uh, I think uh, uh, there were other players who were complaining about it. And this was a Cowboys team coming off a Super Bowl win. Uh, and so they, they lose the first two games of the season. I think at that point, Jerry panicked a little bit and said, okay, uh, because they had, they had Emmett under contract mm-hmm. that season. Yeah. I believe he was making like $450,000. And at the time... He got, I believe, a $13 million deal, uh, which was the richest for a running back at in, that point, yeah. in mm-hmm. NFL history at that point. Uh, point being that uh, I think that you and I both believe that if, if, he want, if they want to draw a line in the sand, they're going to have to sit out games, right? That, that, uh, that Zeke will have to sit out games. I think if they – Yeah, because he has two years left on his contract. You're yeah. not talking about a guy. I mean, and not only two years – the Cowboys – have the latitude to do a franchise tag after that. I mean, in essence, right. they could control – again, it's not going to get to that point, but they actually control whether or not he hits the open market. They could do that if they so choose for four years. Right. Yeah, that's a long time. <laughs> you know, and, and, and we see what – you know, and I, I don't want to get into it right away, but talking about Le'Veon Bell and what happened to him with yeah. the Steelers, and he, he chose to sit out a season. The Steelers said, okay, go ahead. Uh, what, what are they going to – you know – we're gonna we're gonna keep the same stance we have. We used two other running backs here in his place, and we got the same or a little bit better production out of mm-hmm. those two backs than they did when Le'Veon Bell was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I think you have to ask yourself, uh, you know, first of all, if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're willing to do that, what's what's it gonna mean to your team? I think we all know that Jerry loves you know Zeke Elliott. Mm-hmm. They they took him with the fourth pick of the draft. Sure. You know, I, clearly they there were great players around him that were yeah. taken at that time. Uh, so they could have, you know, Jalen Ramsey, who went after that. And a lot of people said, why with this offensive line, which is the best in the league, why would you spend the number four pick in the draft on a running back? You can get a running back in the second, third, fourth round who is going to be a 1,200-yard guy behind that line. Absolutely. So, so what? but we, we do know that Jerry loves this. I think one of the reasons why is because he saw the production that Emmitt had and how long, mm-hmm. how, how long and how productive Emmitt was as a running sure. back. There, there's certainly different – they are different kinds of running backs. But I think that what we've seen from Zeke so far suggests that, he, first of all, he, he, he stays healthy. He, he doesn't get hurt. Hasn't missed any games due to injury. Right. Yeah. He's missed <laughs> games otherwise, but not because of injury. And he's highly productive. You know, mm-hmm. and, and he's very talented. He's a, he's, a, he's a good pass catcher. He's a great blocker. You know, the, he's good in the locker room. The he's outstanding in pass blocking. protection. I mean, they, people say, well, give him a rest on third down. 
Well, he's their best, you know, he's their best blitz protector oh, on third down. Absolutely. He blows guys up when they come in. Yeah, he likes it. Yeah. Uh, and that was kind of the, the book on him coming out of uh, mm-hmm. Ohio State, and certainly one of the reasons why he was the fourth pick of the draft. Um, now, having said all that, uh, you know, if he and, – and because of all those things, I do believe – let's, let's say the first two games of the season are passed and the Cowboys go 0-2 again. I think exactly the same thing will happen. I think that Jerry will yeah. say to him, you know what, uh, we're going to do a deal with you. Uh, and just like you said, we, we, we're not going to draw it all up right now, but, but this is what we have in place. What do you think about this? I, I do think Jerry would cave. Yeah, oh, I think he would too because while this is – not a team coming off a Super Bowl. This is a team with a head coach in his final year of his contract. This is a team that management and coaching staff feel is the deepest on both sides of the ball that they've had in a long, long time. And they quietly, confidently believe this team is built to win now and they they should go for it right now. Their schedule's easier earlier in the season than later. If you give away a couple of games early because Elliott isn't there, yeah, I, I think you would have leverage similar to what Emmett had that year, although this team is not uh, not coming off a Super Bowl win. But in some ways it's more desperate because if they don't yeah. break out of the we can't get past the second round this year, then you're going to go into year 23 not having gotten past the second round. So how much longer are you going to go with this good young nucleus and still hit the same ceiling? So, you know, to, to me this is a fascinating discussion because even though he has two years left on his deal, I think you can make a strong argument that this is when Elliot has the most leverage in order to – withhold his services to get the deal he wants, even more so the next year when he goes into that final year of his rookie contract. And if you're the Cowboys, you I think it's a very justified argument to have this like, well, wait, you have him under contract for two more years. You could control him another year after that. You need to sign Elliott. You need to sign Amari Cooper. Uh, you even have Jalen Smith coming up next year. You need to, you know, let's kind of knock him down the list. He got paid as the number four player. Um, we, we've got to manage this thing. And why should we give away these two years? So I think it's, uh, I think it's a very strong argument on both sides, which I think could, uh, all of this being said, the other thing I'll point to is like, there's been no indication at this point that there's any animosity whatsoever between, Elliott and his camp and the Cowboys in their camp. But I will say, uh, if he doesn't go and he starts to miss games, and then suddenly if the Cowboys believe this, they have something special here and Elliott is putting it in jeopardy by elevating his contract status when he has two years left on his deal above other players who are up at the end of this year, that, that they feel that, okay, are you really – a team player here. Let's you know. I you have the potential to injure what is a very good relationship. So let's just see how this unfolds because they do have a very good relationship now. Yes, they do. And and uh, and and of course we 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 talked about the scenario of what if they started zero and two like they did in ninety three. Yeah. What if they started out two and zero? What if they what if they look like hey, we're playing okay without you? Yeah. You know, I, I do think that which Jerry- is always the the you know you always roll the dice on that. And again, you're going to have an offensive coordinator that no defensive coordinator in the league is going to have a bead on. Right. They don't know how he 
Kellen Moore sequences plays. He doesn't know how he's going to get to them. He doesn't know what he likes to use in certain situations. Uh, that the unknown aspect of the Cowboys offense, even if it didn't have a key weapon early, I think is going to work to their favor. Yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I, 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 I don't see Zeke holding out. What's your, what's your bet? Uh, I, I don't think so. But, but again, I think the factors are in place where his, his team could certainly – again, I'm struck by the fact that, that very vague things are being floated out there like, well, he may do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that shows that they're proceeding carefully here and they're not committed to going all in and drawing a line in the sand uh, in this camp or this season. Uh, like I said, that, that can change at any moment. You don't want to show all of your cards. But, um, you know, another thing I'll point out, too, we, we were talking about Emmett Smith, and, and I hear people uh, draw a direct link saying, well, um, you know what, Elliot needs to do something now because you saw what the Cowboys did with DeMarco Murray. Mm-hmm. I will say there's no comparison whatsoever between those two no. uh, because you, you go through, uh, yeah, the Cowboys let DeMarco Murray walk in free agency after the most productive rushing season in franchise history. Mm-hmm. At that point, he was 27 years old. Mm-hmm. At that point, he was not – you look at that team, not to minimize what he did because he did something Emmett Smith never did in a season or Tony Dorsett ever did in a season for the Cowboys. He rushed for more than 1,800 yards. Right. But was he the focal point of that offense – or were Tony Romo and Des Bryant the focal point of that offense? And he was getting yards based off of uh, working in concert with them. Uh, that team was more about Tony Romo and Des Bryant and and uh, Murray stepping up and having a huge year. There's no debate. Elliott is the primary offensive weapon here. And if you have any doubt about that, if you want to argue it, go back and look at the two years, two of the last three years when this team has gone into the playoffs and had a playoff berth wrapped up going into week 17 in the final regular season game, who did the coaching staff sit in both of those games? Ezekiel Elliott. Right. Who did they play? Dak Prescott. Yeah. So, I mean, that tells you this. he is the focal point. And, and when they took him with the fourth pick, it was with an idea that, you know what, this could be a generational back. This is, this is a guy that could be closer to Adrian Peterson than the, a really good back that flames out after three, four, five years. This guy is different. So they took him with the idea that, you know what, this is – we know what we said about running backs. We know why we let DeMarco Murray go, but there are exceptions, and Elliott's an exception. And, and through the first three years, I would say that has been supported, that he is an exception. I think he probably is too. Uh, I think he's a, a great back. You know, I, and, and somebody – Respond to me on Twitter about something about saying, well, if you, you know, yeah, like they're not going to be impacted by the loss of their best player. He is their best player. And, yeah. and you know this because he's one of the top two or three players at his position in the league. How many other players on the team can you say that about? You know, maybe Zach Martin, you mm-hmm. know, uh, I don't know if there's anybody else that you would, you know, Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence is, is probably on the cusp of that. He's on the cusp argument. of that. I'd say more like top five uh, with with Lawrence. They're Tyron Smith. But, yeah, they're, they're, it's of, of the skill positions, 
Yes. Oh, absolutely. No, he is no it. question about it. And, and, and Amari, I don't say Amari Cooper probably to me is a, it's top five, top six, right in there. But he's not top two or three. No. So, uh, so yeah, he is that. The question for me is, is that, but is it a situation where, okay, he's really good at this. How good do you really need to be at this though to for them to be productive? Yeah. Uh, and to, and to be a winning team. And so because of what you said and what they're built around, and that goes back to the argument about for for me. Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott should love to be Cowboys. Mm -hmm. uh, because first of all, for Zeke, obviously Zeke would be successful anywhere. But this is the one organization that is committed to running the ball. Yeah, you know We're, we're going to build ourselves around the running game. You are our star. Even going against the grain of what you see, the trend through the rest of the league. Now, the rest of the league, people are saying, if you, look, if you read the, the analytics geeks, they will say the Cowboys are crazy. You, you can't win. Mm -hmm. Everybody wins now by throwing the ball. You cannot win running the ball yeah. as your primary weapon. It'd be, you, know, you can do what the Rams do, which they get a lot of mileage out of their running game, but essentially they are a passing team. That's, mm -hmm. that, that's, what, that's our number one. You know? And with the Cowboys, that's not number one. So I, I, it would be interesting to me to see how much things change here as, as under you know, Kellen Moore. Will, I don't, as you and I have said before, we don't think it's going to change a whole lot. It just will be tweaks here and there, doing different things, different tendencies maybe, yeah. uh, and just the idiosyncrasies of, of Kellen Moore as opposed to Scott Linehan mm -hmm. and what sure. they want to do. Well, certainly we know what Scott Linehan wanted to do, which was basically nothing. Yeah, no one has any tendencies on Kellen Moore. So, right, yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, well, I don't want to spend the whole time talking about, uh, about Zeke, so let's, let's move on a little bit to, to a couple of the other things. I think you uh, have mentioned what you feel like were the – do we want to say there are three issues for you going into training camp, four or five? How many do you want to say? Oh, yeah, and it, I mean, it's uh, – there's some bigger issues and, and, and some things, but, I mean, this is – look, this is Jason Garrett's final year. Uh, it, I mean the the primary well, it could one, be his final year. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah, final year of his contract. Yeah. Um, uh, this current contract. Um, look, this team can it get past the second? I mean, that's that's the one everyone is asking, and that's why you know I I think for some fans it's not going to matter particularly what they do during the regular season. Uh, they have to position yeah. themselves, but they're going to have to show that. Um, look, they got the second round last year. They had no shot. They had no shot against the Rams. Mm -hmm. Now, the the final score says they actually had a shot, and, and you look at it, and they could have, even deep in the third, there was a moment if they would have produced on one series, it, it would have been a game. Um, but you never got the sense. I mean, they were outplayed from start to finish. Well, they couldn't stop the run. Yeah, yeah, and uh, which had been – what was their strength defensively during the regular season? Yeah. Stopping the run. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, they're an undersized defense that got worn down, which is why you saw them go and load up with defensive interior tackles uh, this offseason and then uh, use their second-round pick on a, on a defensive tackle as well, a bigger defensive tackle than what they have. Uh, they know they wore down and they need to be better against the run, and that's how, how you saw them react. But, um, you know – Again, I think I think Jason Garrett does a, a very good job of managing this team day to day, of uh, establishing a culture that pays benefits for this franchise going forward. But at some point, you have to show you can rise to the occasion, and yeah. and you have not seen that from Jason Garrett and his approach and this team yet. They've got to rise to the occasion, and um. 
you know, we talked about this earlier, too. I mean, there, you know, we talked about the Elliott contract. Well, you know, they already made right now Demarcus Lawrence is the highest paid player in franchise history at one hundred and five million. Um, you know, you have Amari Cooper coming up. You have Dak Prescott, who will be the highest paid player in franchise history once they agree to that. And to me, the interesting thing is all of these players are getting money to keep this nucleus intact. And it's a nucleus that hasn't gotten you past the second round of the playoffs. Most times when when teams make these sort of financial commitments to key players across the board, they have had success. They have gotten to a Super Bowl or won it. It's a reward. Yeah, yeah. This isn't a reward. This is betting like, well, you're going to get us there even though you haven't shown us yet that you can. You're betting on the comp. Yeah, and that's – to me, I would be a little anxious if, if that was my money handing it out and doing that. And not to say you don't have faith in those guys, but until you actually see it, and you can say all you want, and there's always, well, you know, well, they would have beaten Green Bay two years ago if Aaron Rodgers hadn't made that, you know, remarkable play. What other quarterback in the league could have done it? I agree with all of that, but that was the quarterback you were going against, and that was the quarterback who did it. Right. <laughs> and uh, you had home field advantage all year and then you couldn't defend your home field you know yeah. what you worked all right. year to do so and you fell behind her but you know so uh, you know this team has to has to prove it at some point you can't just keep saying no this this team is built to win now and then you go another season and go oh well okay we this was a little weak but this team is really built to win now um the window's open and right they need to strike now and 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 uh, Garrett's teams have shown they can be there, but they haven't shown that they can rise to the occasion. Let, let's say they, they go into the season and finish 10-6-11-5, win a game, lose in the second round again. Um, do you think that Jason Garrett comes back? No. I mean, you've seen that before. I mean, why? Uh, if that was going to be enough to bring him back, you would have extended him. Yeah. Because you like it. You like the talent that's in place now. You like the age composition of the team. You like how balanced it is. This is most balanced has been on both sides of the ball in a long time. Yes. Um, and, and it's built to that nucleus to still be together. And you're drafting better to where you're going to be able to let some of these veterans go when they come up on their second contract because you have a good guy behind. I mean, what was the – you know, a year ago, there was a lot, a year and a half ago, there was so much consternation. Well, Sean Lee's hurt all the time, but he's so good. What are they going to do when he's gone? Well, suddenly, you drafted Leighton Vander Esch, and you're not concerned about linebacker now when Sean Lee no. is gone. So, I mean, they're starting to do that in drafting where they have a pipeline coming up where you feel better about this team. And, and frankly, they should be in a position where they're and, – and that's the other thing I think fans really wrestle with um, – you know, you go back over these last 10, 15 years, Dallas is one of the top eight to 10 teams in the league in regular season record. But it's they do nothing in the postseason. Right. And that's that's the dichotomy. That's, that's the frustrating thing, I think, for management, and it certainly is for fans, that you keep having these – well, look, they've had two 13-3 and three years uh, – and what happened? They didn't get past the second round either either year. Um, and, and and now it's going to be interesting because now it's like it's going to be them or Philly in the division. 
But you look up, you know, there hasn't been a repeat winner in this division since 2004. Yeah, that's a, that's remarkable. You're going 15 years without a repeat winner in the NFC East, and the Dallas just won it. So, uh, again, it's let's see what happens here. Yeah, I, I, I look at these Cowboys, and, and, of course, I'll go back at the history again and remember what happened with Tom Landry in the 60s and about how, you know, at, at, uh, when Clint Murkison stepped forward and said, I'm giving him a lifetime contract, and that's when fans were grumbling a lot, the team wasn't winning. Mm-hmm. But the history of this organization has been that, you know, this was the organization that the, the phrase next year's champions was yeah. coined for. Exactly. And that's when they were getting to – NFC well NFC championship games then you yeah. know and now it's just next year's wild card <laughs> yeah that's you know. right so so yeah that's 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 the story of this market that's probably true anywhere but here people uh, that that has carried over and not so much maybe with younger fans it's harder to say you know what do they know about winning you know <laughs> exactly you have a whole generation it's like and again there are I you know I've talked to people it's like I don't understand why everybody's so excited about the Cowboys and why there's such this passionate you know, fan base because I haven't seen them do anything. No, you know, no. Uh, I mean, they're, they're a whole generation of kids that say. I mean, they appreciate and they they know of the history, but they haven't experienced it. And if you yeah. don't experience, you don't have the emotional attachment. It might as well have been a hundred years ago. Sure, you know, for them. Sure. This is the way I always look at it, David. In nineteen, if if let's say. In 1995, because it's been 24 years since yeah. the Cowboys have won a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. that had been like, say, in 1971, you know, to us in 1995. Yeah, exactly. And we, we would have said, oh, my gosh, that's it's been eons since they've won anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to look at it and how these young people do. Now, then when you step back and you go, well, okay, how many – and even during this drought, they still rank among, you know, the top three franchises in NFL history as far as championship well, sure. hardware. Sure. But – what does that mean to you? Because you haven't seen it in Absolutely. 24 years. It's like, oh, that's nice to talk about. So do you – let me ask you this about uh, – because there's been a lot of talk, uh, obviously, about uh, the guy who everybody thought was going to be in line for a contract, and I think it still is, is uh, Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. Do you buy – I looked. I tried to look this up to see if there's any kind of uh, studies been done on it, about a, a quarterback uh, – now, I did find studies about, you know, when a player is – a position – is expected to be in his prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, a quarterback, basically 26 to 29, although it can extend further than that. That seems to be the As same. we've seen with, like, right. And, and you're starting to see it extend more now with Breeze and yes. Brady. It's, and, it's, and it's much, it's become, because of the rule changes. Rule changes. It, it and, has yeah. been much more of an older quarterback's league here. You know, they're not taking those kind of hits like they used to take earlier, and so therefore they're able to play longer. Now you're understanding the defenses and seeing all these different schemes and knowing how to react is is, yes. is a huge benefit late. It now. is a huge benefit, and I think those are the things you'll see from, from Dak right now. And these are guys also, these older guys, are guys who are getting the ball out quicker. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if you look at the times that they are, they're delivering the ball within, you know, 1.9, yeah. 2.6 seconds, you know, and that's certainly not what Dak is doing. No. You know, Dak is taking longer to get rid of the ball than almost any other quarterback in the league. Which is why they had, what, 55, 56 sacks last year. Absolutely. And, again, that's a guy – you know, I, I think this is one – and this is what this league does, too. It turns, like, one of your greatest strengths into a weakness until you can fight through that and make it a strength again. You know, I think one of the things that we were praising – a lot of people were praising Dak for early, his rookie season especially, was – uh, his ability to go through his reads. And you know what? Here's my first read. This guy's not open. 
okay, you're not open. I'm going to number two. Right. Uh, where uh, then I'm going from there. I'm going to my third read. And if you're open, you get it. If not, I'm going to the next guy. There's a lot to be said for that. The other point of part of that is though, if you don't have good receivers and you look through three options and none of them are open, what are you going to do? Yeah, and, and I think one, I think Dax dealt with some of that. But two, I think there's also, and this is what, now you can say Romo did this too much, but, you know, Romo would go, okay, here's, he's my, here's my first option. Okay, I look at him. He's not open right now. But by the time I get to my second option. I'll come back to him. He's going to be open. Right. So let me look at the second option real quick. But you know what? I really want to stay with the first option. Right. So I'll look it off and go right back. So that's the nuance to Dak's game he didn't have. It, and this is this is too simplistic to say it was kind of paint by the numbers. But it was. It's just like, okay, your reads go here, here, here. If you don't have it, run or dump it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think because so much is coming at you, because you don't have the experience and, and the institutional knowledge, you go through that, you do it, and sometimes that pays benefits for you. But then when defensive coordinators go, okay, this is what he's doing. So – Let's take each of those reads away at that time, and we know where the sequence is going to be, and then let's see what he does. And you saw some of that in the second season and early last year. Um, But again, I look. Dak holds on to the ball too long. I think is is a fair thing to say. You go back and you look at all the sacks last year. I think you can probably say a third of those were on Dak mm-hmm. for holding on to the ball too long. But but then where I wrestle with that is, okay, did he hold on to the ball too long there because he was indecisive or because his receivers weren't where they were supposed to be yeah. and he had nowhere to go. Yeah. And he was just holding on, trying to wait desperately for any of them to get open. You certainly didn't see those issues later in the season once they got Amari Cooper, which is why I'm going to be interested to see this year. I, like I said, and I will say, too, this is – I know we've talked about this before, and and you don't want to read too much into what you see in uh, guys when they're not in pads in May and June right. against going against each other at their own practice facility. But he looked much better and much more decisive in practices than I've ever seen him. Since he's been with the Cowboys, and uh, he's not been a practice quarterback. No, and, and and that's always been the thing. And even during, you know, even when he's been at his best, he looks very average at a lot of times in practice. And a lot of that is by design because Dak will say it's like, well, I'm working on the things in practice I don't do well mm-hmm. because I want to improve and I want to see if I can get good enough at him to take him and do a game. Mm-hmm. So he will do some things in a in practice that he won't do it a game because he needs to visualize it, see whether he can incorporate it, see if it's something he can use in a game or see if it's still something he needs to work on. Uh, so a lot of his throws that we've seen over the first three years, there were days where he was very erratic in practice and you go, God, he looked horrible. Now in his mind, he was processing all of it and figuring out which throws he would use in games and not make himself look horrible and put his team at a disadvantage. But you didn't see that in these practices this offseason. You saw him just lasering everything. And so it's going to be interesting to see, for me, in camp and in preseason, whether that continues. 
Before we get out of here, I want to circle back to something you said at the very beginning, and that was that uh, about the depth of the team. And that, and that is, to me, the thing about this Cowboys team is that, and I agree with that absolutely, on both sides of the ball, far deeper than it's ever been, more talent up front, more depth to it uh, than they've had in a long time. They've, they've had good drafts and uh, have done a good job of acquiring talent uh, and putting themselves in a position to be successful. Uh, and going back to that, what you said at, at receiver, and I was – struggling with this and i decided not to write it uh but i i'm wondering if michael gallup uh because if you look if you look back at terrence williams numbers his numbers were really pretty good they were uh, every every year he had one year where he, he went for over 800 yards for that position and what they wanted and how they were a run first team his numbers were very good yeah now i don't know how much of that he, he got to play with tony romo and i don't know how much of that is just the era that we're playing in but certainly you could say that Terrence Williams was the best number two receiver they'd had since Alvin Harper. Because mm-hmm. uh, you look back at Harper's numbers, for a while... You look at a slot guy differently. In a lot of years, Witten was actually the number two. You know, yes. So it's a, it's a little bit different animal here when you're looking at the number two. But it yeah, they, they've wanted the big strike complement to the possession main receiver. Yes. And, and Terrence Williams did that for two or three years. Let me ask you this. When I look at Michael Gallup and I look at Terrence Williams, they are two different kinds of receivers to me. Uh, I prefer the Michael Gallup variety. What about you? I think you saw a lot of good things from Michael Gallup last year. Um, And his numbers aren't as big as you would think, but if you go back and and you would give him the yardage that he got on pass interference penalties down the field... His numbers would look pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he got three to four big chunks of yardage, 30-plus yards for the team last year, drawing a pass interference call because he got by the guy and he just had to grab him to, to prevent him from giving up the touchdown. So, And uh, he's a very conscientious guy. Uh, he's, he's very serious about it. He's a guy who, once he makes a mistake uh, – He's, you know, Terrence Williams had a habit, I think, of 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 hanging his head and feeling bad when he made yeah. a mistake sometimes, no and, and it took him a little time to work through it. Uh, Gallup is just as conscientious about it, but he doesn't tend to hang his head. He gets back out there and he responds uh, a little bit more with a fighter's mentality, if you will. Uh, I think, and and they were. They were ecstatic with his progress uh, as the year went on. And, and now that you have Cooper uh, even more established. Uh, and look, and, and we've talked about this before, too. You look at Amari Cooper in his career before he got to Dallas. Uh, he was very much a hit and miss, didn't accurately describe it. But uh, he'll have games of like seven for 140, uh, five for 115, and they'll have two or three games where it'll be three catches for 44 40 yards. Yeah. Well, those are the games where Gallup can come up big. And the, the pattern has always been that Cooper will emerge to such a level that defenses are going to say, okay, take him out of it. Let's see what Gallup can do. Right. Uh, you're gonna, Gallup's going to see even more of that this year, except now he knows the offense. He's, he's had longer to work with uh, Dak. And boy, they they came close on a lot of big plays last year that were just 
just milliseconds from, you know, or, or just, you know, just a few inches from being just huge plays. And that happened three or four times beyond uh, the pass interference penalty. So uh, I'm going to be very intrigued. I, 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 to me, I think Gallup can be the home run threat on this offense, which, which will really help stretch it the way it needs to be stretched. Yeah, I just think that he's he's big. He's uh, he's bigger than Terrence Williams, uh, stronger than Terrence stronger. Williams, yeah. uh, uh, faster. I think he might not, not be close, but uh, I I just in, in what you said, stronger mentally. I think too than than, uh, than Terrence Williams. So I think when you combine a full season of Amari Cooper with the progression you would expect from Michael Gallup uh, to pick up where he left off 119 yards against the Rams. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he picks with Randall Cobb in the slot. With Randall Cobb in the slot. A bigger player than, than Cole, Cole Beasley. Beasley. With Witten coming back to give you, yeah. you know, Those are a the lot check of downs. Yeah. Uh, on offense that, uh, that Dak did not have last year. Yeah. Uh, or at least not for the full season. So I, I think that these are things that, you know, you know, it, it makes you sound like a homer when you bring all that up. It's like this to me. This is just logic. This is what you. If yeah. you look at all these things, these are things that should dictate superior performance. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not if you're not better after all of that, well, then you need to ask questions about what the heck's going on here. And if you're not better, and then you have to step back and look at the pattern, and it is as much as we've improved the talent under Garrett, as as much as as much depth as we have, as much as we love this culture and believe it's sustainable going forward. This team has not made the playoffs in back-to-back years in forever. So that is the next step. That is the, that is part of your culture as well. You can't be an every other year team. No. This is still an every other year team as far as postseason, and that's why they need to break through that this year and, and not just get to the postseason, but actually get farther than what they have. Otherwise you go, is this the right nucleus? Yeah. Absolutely. Certainly, in, in the, the, the and I think going back to what you said earlier, the person who's going to pay for that is going to be Jason Garrett. No question. But because those young guys will all have new contracts. Yeah, they'll all have new contracts, and you have the financial commitment to them. And they're not going anywhere. And I and I think Jerry Jerry always believes more in the talent than he does in the coaching. Sure. And and, and there's justification for that too. There is. He well, he probably screwed up with Jimmy. But no, no, no. He did. He did. Uh, yeah, but, like anything, you can go too far one way or the other. Absolutely. But yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I believe in the talent more than it's. It's. It's more about players than it is about coach. And, and in rare instances, if you're talking about a Bill Belichick, that's one thing. Yeah, and he, and and that's and again, that's the exception. He was he was wrong on Jimmy when he did it. Would he have been wrong making that decision on Jimmy three years later? No. 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 So it was, I mean, it was going to happen there, too. It's just he he accelerated it. And he did accelerate To the detriment of, I'm not so sure that of Jimmy, all concerned. I'm not so sure that Jimmy <laughs> didn't want him to accelerate it. But anyway, that's another topic for another day. All right, everybody, that's going to be it for our Cowboys podcast. Thanks for listening in, and I hope you keep tuning in. Uh, uh, next week, David will be actually in Oxnard, California. So, David, can we can we get you up uh, early for uh Sure, I'll then? be up. Sure, happy yeah, to. He's up early every day, taking pictures of mountains and stuff like <laughs> that in Colorado. He's had a good summer. So, uh, everybody, thanks for coming in, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.